Howdy, you're listening to Think Brazos. We're dedicated to improving housing affordability, economic opportunity, and financial stability for families in Bryan and College Station, Texas. The city of College Station is considering allowing neighborhoods to vote for a restricted occupancy overlay, or RUE for short. A RUE would limit the number of unrelated people who can share a home and local residents are divided over whether the RUE would be good for College Station. This podcast episode is part of a series where we interview locals about the RUE. In this episode, we interview Fred Dupriest, who is representing the College Station Association of Neighborhoods. We are here with Fred Dupriest. Mr. Dupriest, can you, first of all, just tell us a little bit about your position and any association with CSAN? I think you used to be involved. Is that correct? Yes, I was involved in the formation of CSAN years ago, and I did quite a bit of work over the last two years on uh, kind of the technical story behind the roof, and that's primarily why I'm here. Uh, I'm not an urban scientist, but like a lot of other volunteers, put maybe hundreds of hours into different uh, data collection efforts, driving streets, characterizing neighborhoods, trying to understand trends in the market, pricing, uh, home ownership, uh, and home ownership trends. All of those feed into the position that CSAN came to, but also simply how most residents feel about maintaining the integrity of their street. So that background is why I'm here essentially, uh, but I haven't been working with CSAN for over half a year on the route, working on other neighborhood issues. And you are also a professor at A&M, is that correct? Yes, in engineering. Okay, perfect. Well, again, thank you for coming on our show. And we want to talk today about this thing that has been getting a lot of attention in College Station called the Rue. Could you describe for us a little bit of what that is since you've been working on it for a number of years? Now? Yes. Well, I'd say what it is to start with is incredibly misunderstood. The Rue is a residential occupancy overlay. It can be obtained by a phase of a subdivision. Now, the city says it can be obtained by each subdivision, and most of us think of, uh, you know, Shenandoah. But Shenandoah, uh, I don't know how many subdivisions it has. The city means phase of a development when it says subdivision. So, for example, in Pebble Creek, there are 35. Each individual phase of your development would have to get organized, would have to want it in the first place, and get organized to seek it. Now, what it does is it limits the occupancy of a house to two unrelated people. And right now, citywide, and since 1942, we've allowed four unrelated people. Right. So what related means is family, but they redefine family to be very uh, all-inclusive. It's, it's exchange students. It's all the things that you would think make sense now. And it's a family of six or 20. It, the size of that family is not restricted at all. It is that family, big as it is, with all those legal parts, plus one. And that is obtained. Uh, and, and some of the confusion then is that you'll hear or see headlines in the newspaper. College Station considers establishing two unrelated. College Station actually doesn't establish anything. And, and, it, and you should not be getting the sense that we're restricting housing. I'll get further into that later on, but it'll have actually surprisingly no effect on the availability of housing for students. And it will end up only being sought and obtained probably by not very many phases throughout the entire city. Okay. And as far as, I guess, the reasons for 
why the College Station Association of Neighborhoods and um, the broader good part of College Station community. What would you say is the reason why there has been this move towards trying to get this sort of an overlay in place? I'm kind of curious about that. Well, we're, we're actually a little bit late to the game in that sense. In the early 2000s, a business model kind of arose, which was to rent a house by the room rather than by the whole house. When it was renting by the entire house to four students, they paid the same thing as a family. But what they found, what investors found, was that when students rent by the room, they're willing to pay a lot more money. That increased cash flow then makes the house more valuable. And that does two things. It makes the rent go up on the house, which makes the rent go up on the family next door. It also increases what an investor will pay for the house, so that makes the value of the land go up. Now, how much depends on how desirable your location is for students. You know, near the campus, it's been greater. In my neighborhood, our land values have gone from 85000 to 300000 for a typical lot. That's really unusual. The, the real problem is that this cash flow drives families out of the neighborhood. They either can't pay their taxes or if someone does move out and young, fa- it's young, it's lower income and young families with children. That's the people who struggle with this the most. They move up, they move out and a new family won't replace them because the rent's too high. And so the area affected moves further and further and further from campus. And it's been sweeping outward, you know, from the campus southward and eastward for 20 years in some sense, and really accelerated with the number of students that are competing for the land. We've looked at other university towns and it it was a university town phenomenon because in a big city, students don't affect the whole market. But in a, in a city our size, where students are maybe 30, 35% of College Station's population, they put a lot of pressure. Uh, and so you see eight of our SEC competitors implemented reduced restrictions on not the whole city, but a portion of the city they were trying to preserve for primarily families with children so that they didn't have the incompatible financial challenge. The other thing is obvious, it's way more obvious, is that the culture, the lifestyle of a student is different than that, than a young starter family with three and five-year-old children. It's not really the party thing. It's just the intensity of use. It's the numbers of cars. It's the traffic on the street. And it's a little bit of the disruption of the lifestyle, because if I'm a young family, I have no family support. We, we don't live with our families anymore, mostly, or extended families. I really need other mothers with other children and school involvements and sports and activities. I need to live in a kind of an intact environment because I'm alone in a large sense. The young families with young children are the challenge preserving at least a little bit of our city where that um, they can buy and trust that they can stay there for 10 years and their street will still remain a comfortable and affordable place for their family. And that's that's what the Rue is about. Got it. Well, thank you for clarifying that. I know a lot of people are having a hard time wrapping their heads around what it actually is. Uh, But you've mentioned a couple of times so far, kind of hinting at that not all of these phases or subdivisions are even going to be able to get a Rue. Can you go into that a little bit more as far as why is this that some can and some you think can't? 
I, I have an, a few slides on that. Okay. Uh, if I can, I'll switch to those, Charles. And Perfect. So what we what I'm displaying is a map of College Station and uh, showing uh, the streets. And just to give you some frame of reference here, this uh, these are our three major highways. This is William Finch, which is considered to be pretty far down in the south in the College Station and Welburn and Highway 6. And I mention these because they actually form a, something of a boundary to this what we would call the student rental area. Their actual boundary is $300,000 houses. <clears throat> so an, a student rental won't go where an investor can't, you know, make a reasonable rate of return. So right. most of the investor activity has been inside that and will continue to be. Um, because residential competition is driving up prices outside that dash line as well. So inside that area uh, we, um, is, is where most of our student housing is. The um, actual houses that are rented versus owned is an important thing to understand. We know which homes have been homesteaded and which are not homesteaded. We look at the data available from the taxing authority. All of the red properties here are not homesteaded, which you can almost assume means they're rental. Now, you can't assume that. There's a few on here that aren't homesteaded, like in Williams Creek, that simply have never been developed. There's not a house on them. Right. But red means rental. And if you look at the distribution of rental, you can see this uh, that anywhere close to the campus, which is right here, mm-hmm. that the families have pretty well been displaced. Mm-hmm. The lack of any kind of mechanism to protect those areas has displaced, displaced all of the minority community home ownership out of this area, uh, this area up here, out of uh, these streets over here. The, the only minority or low income left is in one neighborhood right down here. And that's because they attained an overlay of a different kind limiting to one stories that has the effect of limiting the number of occupants and the cash flow and the property taxes and the rent rates from being driven up. So we have that one neighborhood that actually illustrates in an area that's intensely, um, has intense pressure to show what occupancy restriction can do uh, to control the, the cost of housing. That, in a, that dense uh, student occupancy extends down beyond, um, down to the south to about Edelweiss, and below that, we still have some dense areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can visually sort of see a couple of pockets here where they're light colored. Right. That means there's more home ownership. Now, I'm gonna get back finally to your question. The city is trying to decide whether 50% or 58% of the homeowner's approval uh, or property owner's approval should be required for that phase to get the roof. <clears throat> If we look at mathematically, then what what neighborhoods have enough homeownership left, uh, you know, to get 58 percent, which is one of the numbers are considering. It's these red areas phase by phase. Now, phase is only maybe 20 to 40 houses. It's not a subdivision like Castlegate. So each individual phase much must go through this half year long process and a lot of them involve the city and their neighbors, you know, certified males and, and a lot of mechanism. They've got to be motivated and they've got to be under something of a threat. And that's one reason why very little of the city will get it. 
anybody outside that dash line is not threatened uh, and they're not motivated <clears throat> and their houses are too expensive to be attractive for that kind of investment inside the area. You can, you can really see two um, regions then that are of interest here. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are probably the only phases that will end up with this. Okay. Now this is phases with 58% homestead. You can always count on 100% of the non-homestead voting against it. Mm. You can't count on 100% of the homestead voting for it. So yeah. this is probably an optimistic view. Um, if you have the 50% threshold, if that's what city council decides on, you expand these a little bit, but not a lot. You add some a few more streets up toward the campus, and uh, but but it's very few homes uh, when you really look at it. This these two areas are basically what we're talking about. Um, now, they don't have any high, higher occupancy for unrelated homes in them. They're pretty solid. They're rental. There's some rental, but they're family rental and mostly home ownership. So if you remove these from the market by getting the two unrelated, what have you done to the availability of student housing? We haven't done anything. There aren't, there aren't high occupancy student houses there. In addition to that, the city is going to liberally grandfather uh, current operations. So if you have a four unrelated already and you're renting that, you're operating that, mm -hmm. uh, at least based on the last conversation we had before all this was delayed, the council had come to, I think, uh, some uh, consensus around being fairly liberal, meaning if you have a four unrelated house you're running and your phase gets a restriction on that, you just keep operating. Mm -hmm. Now, you may even be able to sell that to the next owner and they can sell that to the next owner. It's those more distant things that we're really continuing to talk about. At what point do you lose that right? And right now, and I think this is important, uh, we're look, the conversation has been to do something very liberal with that, but, but that's the feedback the city is looking for right now. What does the population think about what that grandfathering should be, for example? Right. And secondly, um, the input they're seeking right now is, do you think it should be 50 or 58%? Mm -hmm. And you can see how important it is to understand all these issues who can and can't get it because it really affects your answer to both of those questions to understand that, this is going to have no immediate impact on the availability of student housing. Mm. And we have on the flip side, a need to protect some, at least some few phases where, you know, families with small children can be confident uh, of their future if they, if they invest there. Right. So another question that I had for you is both yourself and a few others that I've spoken to that are kind of instrumental on the what we call the four side of the route, many of them, and I believe including yourself, actually live in some of the neighborhoods where you're saying there's very little chance that a route could happen because you're a little too close to campus. I'm just curious if you have any insight as to your thought process, why you still feel it's worth it to push for something like a route for these other neighborhoods when you don't even live there. Well, you know, personally, it's probably because of my involvement uh, early on with CSAN. Mm -hmm. CSAN is a political action committee. Okay. Uh, and they're a little unique because they don't give money to candidates. They they actually try to behave as an advocacy group citywide. 
and we can't pick our issues apart. One affects the other. So over the years, they found they've got to just advocate for neighborhood, um, the neighborhoods, they've got to really reach out and understand a lot more and really vote for the whole city, do what's right for the whole city. So that's an effort to do that. What's happened uh, in, in many cities, especially in Texas with population growth, is, is that we're developing what, what's called the missing middle. That's in, in College Station, that's houses probably between 180 and 240 or $50,000. Uh, the missing middle, if you have, if you, your housing market doesn't have houses available in that range, then the missing middle, it really starts to affect the whole city. Now, um, if you don't, if you have a missing middle in the housing market, and, and that's the, that's where starter families, millennials with small children and lower income people live. If you don't have those homes available because of pressure from the high cash flow from the four unrelated rentals, then you don't have that in your workforce. If I can't house that, people make that money. I can't have them in my workforce. And that's really, right now, it's really starting to affect the city's ability to attract companies that need that uh, starter workforce. And that's your tech companies. Uh, you know, there's people there that make a fair amount of money, but most of their workforce is a starter workforce betting on tech to grow and and a whole variety of other kinds of industries and jobs that really are dependent. Um, we had a, a lady appear before city council two years ago who was an entrepreneur and started a company here. And I think she had five or six employees and she came before council just to tell them she was leaving. And it wasn't because her employees couldn't buy a house. It was because they couldn't find affordable rent apartments. You know, you're, you're competing with foreign related for every room in the whole city. So uh, I'm sorry, that's a long answer to your question, but, but there are other issues. The, the displacement of the, um, of people to the South mm -hmm. by this continued push out away from the campus Right. Uh, by the foreign related rent by the room, not foreign related, but the rent by the room model has affected um, it's it's pushed students further south, mm -hmm. which pushes families further south. So that's precipitated transportation issues, more congestion, wider streets, higher taxes, um, sewage lines to miles and miles away from college stations for new neighborhoods. It's driving sprawl. Mm. Now, you're not going to say to a student, we're going to tell you where to live. Right. But what we should be doing as a city in a comprehensive planning process, which we're doing right now, is figuring out how to make areas closer to the campus a good place and an attractive place, more attractive than a single family ranch home with about you know 1,800 square feet that's miles from the campus, uh, where there is no bus service inside most of those neighborhoods. So we've got a bunch of issues that are really compounding and, and they're not due purely to the rent by the room business model. There are a lot of other factors involved, but it's certainly an important element of it. So I live, I live three blocks from the campus in a wonderful place called College Park. It's 80% students. And as you say, zero, zero chance of a two unrelated and I don't want it. We moved here because we enjoy these kids and I'm a professor, but if you go out and you ask people, you know, residents out there in kind of this mid range, 
do you want the rue? They may be confused because they're not sure what it is. And we've had a lot of confusion about family definitions and things. But if you ask them, do are you concerned with a foreign related house, you know, a rental house, a high house on your street, they will almost all say, you know, that's a concern. I, I like students, but I, I want a house with children next door. So we're at the PTA meeting together and we have a cohesive kind of place to grow up. We need each other. So before we run out of time here, I really did want to ask you one or two questions kind of from the opposite side of things and see your comments on that. One of them is I spoke with a woman who claims that she lives in one of those neighborhoods that you circled that may be able to get the roof and actually has a four bedroom home in that sort of missing middle kind of price range and has actually three students that live with her. So four bedroom home, three students that are unrelated. And her argument is that, hey, I'm living on this property. I'm you know taking care of it. I'm watching the kids. I'm concerned that if a roo went into place, I would be unable to get this income that I need, according to her, to survive. How would you respond to someone who's in that occupancy kind of situation? That is an incredibly important issue. You know, we started out with a definition of family really hanging a lot of us up. I would not have voted for the roof with that definition of family. Now we have one more, you know, a little bit of a poison pill. And that's this uncertainty. Before we went out for public input, we should have settled the uncertainty around grandfathering. I, I can only say that the last conversation before we shut down for COVID basically was that it was going to be quite liberal, meaning if she already had more than two unrelated, which is actually more than one renter, she would be able to continue to operate and probably will be able to sell that if she sold her home. Where that's really critical is with the stealth norms where investors are putting, what, five, $600,000 between a really expensive lot and the, uh, and the nice house near the campus. If you don't guarantee that they can actually operate but also sell that to another investor, then, then I think you're just not being fair. Now, that, that's me speaking. The council hasn't really finalized their decision on that. But, but I think as you give your input, as she gives her input right now, on, and the city has a survey up, she needs to comment on that. Now, they put choices in there for which version of the grandfathering you support. So you have that opportunity to, to basically go down to that choice, which is quite liberal, and click on it. And that is the feedback the city needs. And in the end, to answer your question, I'm expecting very liberal grandfathering, or I will not be supporting it, that version of the room myself, and we'll be trying to bring it back to the table to negotiate again. And what about the owner-occupied angle of this? Uh, to me, when I look at it, it's almost like we've got two things going on. We've got the investor model, which I think we can both agree on, You know, has some issues with it. Uh, where no one is living on the property. But what about this angle where you've got some folks who they're still living in their home. They're just renting out the rooms like like this woman. Do you feel like there's any difference here and maybe an, a direction to go when looking at the room and, and how to frame it? The way the city counts for unrelated is they, in some sense, if it's for students, they, they take the one of those students and say, we're going to call you a family and the other three are unrelated. If there's an owner occupied, they take the owner and they say, you're the family and now you can have three more. So actually with the four unrelated rule, as we already have, that's the way it works. It'll be the same with the two unrelated. 
as an owner occupied, she can have one more and that will be all. But now, and, and if she's a family and she has six kids, they can still have one more. But in her case, she's grandfathered and, and I'll keep coming back to that. The reason that we won't have an immediate impact is there's not a lot of that in the areas that can actually get the roof or want the roof. And secondly, it comes back to that grandfathering and how we manage that. Um, it, in theory, you know, you can't have any impact if no current operation can be shut down because they're all grandfathered. Over the long period of time, I think the SGA, the students at the, at the university and other interest groups need to step back and look at all of these compounding issues we have and this missing middle in our housing and get invented. Um, you know, one of the obvious things is, is make more concentrated urban places near the campus with activities and restaurants. If you look west of Welburn, Welburn right now, huge, you know, ocean of apartments, there's not a single restaurant. And, and that's that kind of thing is where we need to be maybe planning more of our focus as working together, uh, the realtors, the builders, the neighborhood advocates. I think we can all agree that um, we can take the pressure off of neighborhoods and and maybe if we work on some ideas like that. Yeah. Um, without, without regulating it so much, it's a different way of going. So it sounds like just to clarify it, our conversation today has had very little to do with the nuisance side of the argument. So, so I've spoken with some others who, who um, seem to be very much focused on the, we don't want to li live next to college students because of the nuisance angle, because of parties, because of all that. It sounds like what you're, you're focusing more on is the impact on uh, missing middle housing and a number of other, other things you mentioned today. Does the nuisance component fall into this at all? The city staff just did a great job of studying the nuisance patterns. The nuisance reports are all in this area here and none of that area, including down here, none of that area can get the roof. Now, I, what, what we've gone through here is kind of a complex argument, right? And if you don't have these maps, haven't done this study, and, and I have hundreds of hours of effort into this, uh, then then you would be very sensitive to nuisance because you know we all experience the two o'clock party next door pretty personally, right? right? But the, bar, the broader issues around the route, especially from a city council's perspective, for that kind of thing, they would say to staff, we need to do a better job of, of training each freshman class coming in or whatever, we can do that. But from the city's health and ability to attract new business and all that, we can't afford to lose what little middle we have. We can't have that missing middle go completely missing. And so I think they really need to look at bigger issues. No question that the public support is coming. A lot of it's from the neighborhoods that actually can't get it. And, you know, we're, we're trying to create more and more public awareness of that. But still, those people should be concerned with the overall health of the city and protecting some housing for our millennial, young millennial families with children. Yeah. Well, I think um, that's all the questions that I had for you today. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add before we signed off here? Uh, if there, if folks are looking for more information, uh, well, first, uh, I would do participate and do give your feedback uh, be in, the, in the city poll. The, and, and comment on the individual elements. Now, they're going to ask you if you approve the room. 
and they haven't even decided what the grandfathering is going to be yet. So that percentages that came out, uh, it may not really mean a lot. but your input on the individual elements is really important. If you've got a problem with, if, if, if you think you basically agree that people, we need to protect some streets for families with children, then then you probably should be trying to support the roof. If you have a problem with an individual element, we really need to press the city uh, to fix that. If you want a lot more detail, uh, like I say, I haven't worked with CSAN for about half a year, but uh C-S-A-N. If you Google that college station, you'll find their site and click through a few buttons. You'll find a really short four minute video that almost says everything we have here. You'll find a 32 page study, which is got which has a great deal of detail. And you may want to look at that. And uh, as far as this kind of detail that talks about these kinds of issues, that may be the only reference sitting out there right now. Other than that, I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you, Charles. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think Brasses. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Alexa. Check out the other episodes on the Rue and let us know what you think by leaving a comment or sending us an email at thinkbrasses at gmail.com. Think Brasses is a project of Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. And just remember... Think local, think brasses.